I'm Jeremy Bastion, creator of First Fire Golf, and I love Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From the back room of the Martian Occupation Changing Room in Gelato Parlor, deep in the sub-basement of Area 51, welcome to TalkCast 357, this edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, feeling guardedly sanguine, I am your host, The Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, some of the gang of four in the Peabody Time Tunnel, our technical radical, the button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdriving, sometime violent virtuoso, tonight in the game room. She's doing something with fractals. It's Kriana. Yep, that's me. So what are you doing with fractals? I don't. I, I honestly don't want to know. It's kind of scary. From the stacks of her quiet place in the Dank Dungeons, Manu- Dungeons Manuscript Conservancy, with an advanced degree from the California Cyborg College of Advanced Academia in Pismo Beach, with her advanced degree in Turing Linguistics and Limericks, it's Zombrarian. So remember, during Monday's eclipse, no matter how salty your gay best friend is, the moon throws the best shade. <laughs> you know, I just thought that one moving forward into there. Thank you. So I didn't. I didn't make up that joke, but it's the best one. It's the best one I've heard so far. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Also, don't okay. look at the sun. Yeah. PSA. No, don't. Thanks. Don't look directly into the sun. It's a dumb idea to to do that. And yet we all know somebody who's probably going to. I'm not saying no. Just saying we probably know them. Um, I have this horrible, horrible uh, bad habit of not checking ahead of time uh, how to pronounce people's last names. So I'm about to butcher one. Again. (laughs) Our our guest tonight is author Richard Paolinelli. Please tell me I was close, Rich. You're in the ballpark, and, and don't feel bad. The, the O gets everybody because they try to work that puppy in. Uh, the, the best way to pronounce it is, is think of it as two first names, Paula, Nelly, and say them together without pausing, and you got it. Richard Paolinelli. There you go. You got it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, and I meant to tell you, you can say shit like that, too, on the show. So well, Maybe we didn't I'm, talk about I'm that. Because I'll probably slip one in here, here and there. We're not. I, I think you could probably not be too terribly upset about that if you do. Uh, Richard is joining us tonight to talk about his, his latest novel, Escaping Infinity. And the award that he just got for it, he's one of the finalists for the Dragon Awards. Uh, an award that I had never heard of, but is kind of a cool thing, 
and we're going to talk about the Dragon Wars a little bit later. But the first thing we're going to talk about is Escaping Infinity. Uh, this has, and having just finished it a couple of days ago, uh, one of the weirdest openings I've ever read in a book. And I, and I think I'm fair in saying that. Uh, because chapter one and chapter two have literally nothing in common except they do and you just don't know it. Yeah, I, I, I tell people, uh, the, the, the giveaway is, uh, we, we did an ad campaign, and the ad campaign goes, the earth is destroyed on page one. But don't worry, it's going to work out okay. So go from there, you know? So this, the story is about a, a man, a woman in a hotel. Mm -hmm. And somehow that becomes a science fiction novel, uh, which is wittily inventive, quite fun to read, and has more twists and turns than a Rocky Mountain back road. I really, really enjoyed this book. Well, I appreciate hearing that. Um, you know, when when I first finished it and, and first put it out there, uh, people would ask me, you know, what is it? Is it sci-fi? Is it this? Is it that? And basically, it's a little bit of everything. It's got sci-fi elements. It's got mystery elements it's got romance elements it even has an old west element in there um so it, it's really kind of a it's almost like a genre stew is how i would describe it um so it it doesn't really sit in one category um and and, and the thing that that i've really liked about it is is each person who leaves a review or comments about it they have this different little take on it that maybe I didn't even consider that they that they took from the story, so it's it's almost like they're identifying with the story and they're they're investing themselves in the story to the point where they're seeing what they want to see in it. And to me, that's that's a great story when you can do that. So our main character, Peter Childless, Childress, <laughs> Childress. You're just on the last names tonight, man. <laughs> I am. <laughs> now, Pete Childress, yeah. He's an interesting character, kind of a naive at some points, overly eager at other points. Where did this character come from for you? Um, you, you know, it's when I when I develop the characters to an extent, there's a little bit of me in every one of them. But with, with Pete, it's just I I kind of built him to be the perfect character for the story. Uh, he had to be somebody who was intelligent. He, he had to be somebody who could, you know, keep it together in a situation where other people might just completely lose it. Um, he had to be able to, to kind of see beyond um, things that others would see. For example, the, the other people are going into the hotel. They're seeing this hotel. They're buying into what it is they're not questioning anything but he's got the capability to kind of discern there's there's something a little off here and there and and start working on it and try to figure it out um so it, it just for him you know i can't really say he's based on somebody i met or somebody i know it's just he kind of developed as i was writing the story isn't that how the best characters actually, I mean, they start off kind of as like stick figures and then 
kind of build themselves as the story moves along? Yeah, I think a, a lot of writers kind of prefer that to happen with their characters, where the, the character kind of starts in a way dictating how the story's going to go. Um, and, and I've mentioned with other people is the, the way Escaping Infinity ends, the, the, the ending that you read is not the original ending I came up with. Uh, ah. So the, the, the original ending, it would have ended when they returned to the lobby uh, after they thought they had gotten out. And it was, it was, it had a much darker ending to it. And as I looked at it, it didn't feel right. So I had to kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit and kind of think, okay, if this isn't going to work, you know, what is, and that kind of gave birth to the, to the, to the ending that you've read. Um, and, and I, of course, I had to go back and kind of make one or two little adjustments to the, the hotel manager um, he became kind of uh, a much different character because I changed the ending. I was going to say, how was he originally? Uh, he was going to be, he was actually going to be uh, a physical manifestation of the hotel itself. And the hotel was supposed to be evil. So, you know, so you've read the story. So now, you know, this is a completely different version that of that. Yeah. It absolutely uh, is. Like I said when I got to the end of it, it just I'm looking at it, it's like it didn't it didn't feel right. It it wasn't right. And so I had to kind of go back and 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 make some adjustments, make some changes. You know, one of these days so, I sit down and write a book about the 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 history of this this book, how it went from first inception to final production, because it's had about a 15, 20 year journey to to from start to finish to get to the point where it was released. Which was my next question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. Thank you so much. There you go. Uh, is, this is a very thick book, not in terms of, uh, it's, it's very rich. There's a lot of subtlety and texture to it. <clears throat> and books like that don't happen overnight, and they, they're not quick writes as a rule. Yeah. As a rule, this is something that 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 an author works and reworks and agonizes and, and changes and then puts it aside and then one day goes time to pick it up again. And mm -hmm. so it, it was. A, you said about a twenty year. Uh, you know, my my wife Cheryl and I were talking about this the other day when I actually got the first idea for it, and for some reason, nineteen ninety six is popping in my head. Um, for, for when That's I, 21 years. Yeah. yeah. So when, when I first, and, and I, I fess up, I was listening to hotel California one day and here came the line. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. And I got to thinking, man, that make a great story. You know, you get into this place and you can't get back out. You know, what do you do? How do you, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you find your way out? Uh, why would this be happening? Why would a building or, or someplace trap a person, like that. And so, you know, it's, it, I didn't want it to be the blatant ripoff of the song. So you obviously have to start figuring out why and, and how, how this would come about. So it didn't, it didn't click at that point. So I kind of you know, put it on the back burner a little bit. Um, a few years later, um, I was having this recurring nightmare about being trapped in a corridor and uh, finally got that worked out. But it was, it was when I finally figured out why I was having the recurring nightmare that all the pieces for escaping infinity just snapped right into place on why the place was doing this, 
what a person would do, um, you know, get it all worked out. And that's when I started making the outline. And then, you know, life happens. I have a, a career that I've got to focus on and I put it in the back burner a little bit. And when I retired as a, a newspaper writer and decided I was going to take one more shot at writing fiction, you know, I, I had the, the Del Rio series I had to do first. And I finally had a window where I could sit down and go, okay, let's get this done and start hammering it out. And I think that took about a year and a half. But at the time this was all going on, as you said, you had an, your, your career, your, mm-hmm. your money-making career, so yeah. that you could live. Uh, yeah. um, and that career held kind of parallel lines because you were a sports writer for a number of different uh, uh, newspapers at the yeah. time. Newspapers. I, I eventually moved up to some online publications. Um, yeah, I've been from Texas to California. I've, I've either worked for a newspaper or a magazine in one of those states. Um, and, and at one point, you were actually writing for the San Francisco Examiner. Yeah, that was my last stop on the train, basically, for newspapers. I, I made it to a big city newspaper. Um, I, I had been a sports editor for... Uh, some papers in the McClatchy uh, newspaper chain. And I, I was, I think it was at the examiner for maybe about 18 months, roughly. And I kind of looked around and went, you know, I've, I've done pretty much everything I can do here. And I'm the kind of writer I need to be challenged. I need to, I need to, you know, have a reason to get out there and, and do this. And you get to a point where you can walk into a, a basketball gym or a football stadium, and before the game even starts, you pretty much have an idea of, A, what's going to happen, and B, how you're going to write it. There's no challenge there. And, <laughs> and, the, and the other thing is my back decided, because at the, at the time, you not only had to go out and cover as a writer, you had to also shoot the games as a photographer. And uh, lugging around all that equipment, my back decided it had quite enough of that. So... I finally had to had to retire in 2010, but yeah, I mean the the examiner was was a, a great final stop. If I had to pick a place to to call it quits, that would be one of the three papers I would have picked. I was going to say that's kind of like you know, you know, getting to the top of, of that profession and going, yeah, this is a good place to go when you're right on top. Yep, yep, yeah. The only the only thing would have been better if I had been the beat writer for the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News, but the guy who's got that job, he's not going anywhere. So it's like, I, okay, I'm not going that next step. So let's let's go find something else to do. So you also wrote a couple of sports books that I think, you know, it's, yeah. it's I, I just find it so interesting, the number of genres that you've both worked in, in fiction and nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And I believe both the sports books that I found were uh, both nonfiction books. Yeah. Uh, Perfect Arbiter, mm-hmm. which was the story of Babe Pinelli, yeah. uh, <laughs> one of the more interesting people in baseball. Yes. And uh, From the Fields, which is a history of a, a weird kind of narrowing, uh, a history of prep football in Turlock, California. Uh, yeah, it was uh, well, with Turlock. Turlock was my hometown. That's where I was born. And, oh, okay. That makes more uh, sense then. So, so the, there explains it. Uh, the, the, the genealogy of that book was I was actually working for the Turlock Journal 
And our sports editor goes, okay, we've got the football tab coming in about seven months. What are we going to do? And I opened my big fat mouth in, in the year 2000 and go, well, you know, it's the end of the century. Why don't we do a look back at, at the Turlock High football team? We can't do anything major, but at least maybe kind of a, a reminder of what has come before. So we did this, and and I had maybe two weeks to work on it. So it was like, I barely, I don't even think I touched the surface. I kind of skimmed over it real quick. And I always wanted to come back and do it, to do a, a more in-depth look at it. And, um, you know, things just kind of fell into place about, Oh, I think it was 2013 when I, I was looking at my schedule and I had a window to, to do the research, try to track down people to interview and write the book. And that process took about two years, um, of which six weeks of was sitting in front of a microfilm reader at uh, Stanislaus State going through all the old newspaper clippings. Um, so much so that I was part of the tour for Stanislaus State for their new students, they would come. They would come through, and the, the lady would go. And over here, you know, in the days before the internet, we we had to do microfilm. And here's this gentleman here researching a very important subject. And could you share with us what you're doing, sir? And I'm deadpan. Turn around, went. I'm I'm just looking at old football games. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> so she she goes, and we're over here to the audiovisual area. And they never did the tour again with me there. So um, it, it was a it was a fun book to do. Is kind of my way to give something back to my hometown. Um, it's a I, I'm kind of going to sound like I'm bragging here, but it, even if you don't know where Turlock is and don't care about Turlock, you get a feel for what small town life was in Central California through the decades. Uh, because I put a lot of the the town's history in where I could, uh, some different different things that happened, different things that happened to some of the people. Uh, there was one of the football players went on to marry uh, Hedy Lamar for all of I think six months. So there's all these little things about Turlock that are in the book. Uh, it, you know, even if you don't want to just watch football, um, which I, I think kind of added to it. So it was fun to do, and, and it's a way for me to do something for my hometown. Which, which kind of brings me to, it, it seems to me in, in looking at your body of work that each story, each short story, each book has some kind of personal attachment to you. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's how you do your best writing. You know, if, if you're not feeling it, if, if it's not something that, that uh, is important to you, it's not going to translate to the page and it's not going to become important to the, to the reader and they're not going to buy into the story and they're just going to wander off on you. Um, so if, if, the, if the author doesn't have that, um, you can't really expect the reader to have it. It... Um I haven't read a lot of your stuff, but what I have read kind of brings that feeling to me that there's, in the background, you're talking to me. And you, what I'm hearing is, here's some stuff you need to know, and I'd like to tell it to you. Yeah. And it gives, it gives the reading experience a lot of richness and depth, which I appreciate, bo both as, as, as a reader and... Um, 
as a guy who appreciates what the written word can be. Yeah. It, it's a lot of fun. Well, with, so, the, with the baseball go book, ahead. Wait, the, the reason why I did the baseball book, because I know a lot of people are like, well, who's this guy? Um, Babe Pinelli was a National League umpire. He was also a major league player back in the day. He's one of the few that made the transition from major league player to major league umpire. Uh, obviously, he was the he was behind the plate for the only perfect game in World Series history, which is kind of a reason why you might want to know about him. But the reason why I picked up the project is um, if we can ever get the last record from Italy, we'll know for sure. But we think he's my second cousin twice removed. <laughs> Because his, his birth name was Ronaldo Angelo Paulinelli. But when he got to the majors, they whacked out some of the letters because you try to fit Paulinelli into one of those old-fashioned box scores, it doesn't work. Well, even even worse, across the back of a jersey. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, <laughs> for, him, for him in his playing days, they didn't have names on the backs yet. So that, that's ah. But it was also to help the poor guys up in the, the broadcast booth and the announcer's booth at the stadium, you know... It, I, not to shame you here, but the, you saw that O through you when you tried to pronounce it. Can you yep, imagine all the kinds of pronunciations he would have heard had he not sure? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So it was I, just I know help. I suck when it comes to names, but there are people far worse at it than me. Oh, I tell you what, the, the worst I've ever heard mine done is Palaruski. There's you no R in there. You, <laughs> and you show me where there's an SKI in there. You know? <laughs> Yeah, no, so, it's not happening. So, but for for him, and I was when I found out about him, he had already been dead for I I want to say about a year. So I spent a lot of time just digging wherever I could to try to find out about him, and I, and I finally decided, you know what, I want to I want to tell his story because I think he's been forgotten. He's not in the Hall of Fame, and I don't understand why he's not as an umpire. Um, he 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 umpired twenty two consecutive years without missing an assignment. Was was behind the plate for one of the biggest games ever. I don't know what else he's got to do. So I wanted to get his story out, and and yeah, there's that personal connection which I I hope comes across in the book. So you finished escaping infinity. Oh, before we get to that, okay. How did you get involved with Sherlock Holmes and short stories about him? That's a good one. Um, when I first started in 2013 to, to try to do the fiction writing, Sherlock Holmes wasn't anywhere on my radar. I mean, if you'd asked me, you know, you think you're going to write some Sherlock Holmes, I'd have looked at you like you were crazy because, I, you know, I wouldn't even have contemplated it. I, I read a lot of Holmes when I was a kid, loved all the original stories. I have all the, the uh, Jeremy Brett BBC versions of the, the Holmes stories on video. But um, I happened to notice um, a post on Facebook by one of my favorite sci-fi authors, Jack McDevitt. And he, mm -hmm. mentioned, he mentioned he was going to be a part of this project called Beyond Watson. And he explained a little bit of, a, of it as a, a Holmes original story told from the perspective of somebody other than Dr. Watson. And it was just a matter of good timing because I just happened to be reading up on Winston Churchill and I thought, hey, wouldn't that be neat to have a Holmes and young Winston Churchill story? So I reached out to Derek Belanger and I said, you know, I've got this idea. I don't know if it's too late to get it into you. You know, here's the rough idea. Can I submit it? And he said, send it in. And I threw it together and 
and sent it in. And, um, and it was included in the Beyond Watson anthology. And then he mentioned he was going to do uh, a, a home story or a Holmes anthology on the great hiatus when he was that, that little three year period when Holmes was presumed dead. Right. And, you know, I, I jumped onto that one because, you know, how fun would that be to establish a Holmes canon that nobody else has touched yet? So that was pretty good. And he's got a third one coming up here pretty soon. And I'm fortunate enough to be involved in that one. And that one's actually Holmes with a little touch of sci-fi in it. So it's 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 going to be a fun project. I can't wait to see it. Nice crossover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was it was it was funny because he had mentioned a year or so ago that he was going to do this. So I had plenty of time to figure out what I wanted to submit. Um, and and as only I can, I pushed the envelope on this one because we've got a story that's going to involve Sherlock Holmes, H.G. Wells, and Edgar Allan Poe. My my two favorite writers were Doyle and Poe. So you know. This will be fun, I think. Sounds like it. Well, it was interesting because early in the summer, uh, Derek, who's, whose company also publishes My Peculiar Family, mm -hmm. uh, said, you know, we, we had, when he comes to the East Coast, we usually get together and he and his brother and I and just kind of talk about projects and things. And he had said to me then, you know, I know this science fiction writer who you'd love to have on the show. And I bet you he'd love to do My Peculiar Family, too. And I he went, did. really? <laughs> and, and literally, we're, sit, we're sitting in a fire in, their in a fire pit in their backyard, just talking about and, and throwing names at each other and having a great time. And I said, based on that recommendation, rec recommendation alone, Let's do it. And I was absolutely floored. And as a result of that, uh, your inclusion in volume two of My Peculiar Family is one of the most interesting ones I've read so far. In that, much like Escaping Infinity, uh, you have no idea where you're going until you get there. And when you get there, you have no idea how you got there. <laughs> and because of that, it's wonderful. But it still makes sense at the end, I hope. Oh, it absolutely okay. makes sense. And that's, that's the beauty of it. It's, it's like a, Escaping Infinity is like a Twilight Zone episode, I think, in a lot of respects. Yeah. In that uh, the MacGuffins are fast and furious throughout the whole thing. And you're trying to figure out what's real, what isn't, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Should I pay attention to this? Shouldn't I? And it, it seems to be a hallmark of the way you write things, and it's a wonderful style. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I've had a couple of people tell me that I squished three books into one, and a lot of people will ask, you know, why didn't you break this up into a series? It's like, I'm in the middle of the Del Rio mystery series trying to get that one done. I don't need to be taking on another three-book series. You know, it's just... I. Combine it into the one, get it done, and and you know I've had somebody say it was set up for a sequel. I'm still trying to figure out where where they saw that because I I thought I had tied up everything nicely by the end of Escaping Infinity. So if somebody sees oh I, I totally agree with them. There, there's there's an absolute sequel to be made here, and we'll talk about it later. 
Okay. I'll <laughs> be know happy that. to talk to you about it. <laughs> I, I thought I tied everything off, so I must have missed something. I don't know that you missed something, but you left something. You left a lot of stuff on the table, and, and there's a lot more ways it can go. In any case, hmm. while I was being introduced to you and you were being introduced to me, uh, you got an interesting uh, nomination from Dragon Con. Yes, I did. Um, it's the Dragon Awards. They started last year, was the very first year. For, for people who aren't familiar with Dragon Con, it is, if you've heard of San Diego's Comic Con, Dragon Con attendance-wise is probably the second largest in the country. But every year around Labor Day weekend, Dragon Con pretty much just takes over downtown Atlanta. It's just one, the, the downtown becomes just big convention center. Um, they do a lot of, a lot of the cosplay people go there. It's sci-fi fantasy. They've got, you know, stars from all over the place. I think they've got some Doctor Who people coming. I don't remember who all they've got coming, but they've got a lot of people coming. They've got you coming. That's all that's important. No, actually, unfortunately, I'm not going to be there this year. There's, there's a, oh, no. No, there's there's a there's a issue that has arisen that um, I I don't feel comfortable being two thousand miles away from. So they'll have to do without me this year. But I am going to make every effort to get there next year. Um, I'm hoping to have a, another book next year that'll be in the running. We'll see. But um, I, I'm just tickled to death that uh, Escaping Infinity drew enough uh, nominations to become a finalist. Um, you know, I I. I was hoping it would. Obviously, you know, when you when you think you've got something, you hope other people see the the value in it. Um, but when I when I got the message, and and oddly enough, I was sixty seconds away from going on the air on a writer show out here in in Los Angeles when I got the message that it was a finalist, and I almost didn't pick up the phone to look to see what the message was because we were so close to going on the air. And, and I just happened to see something about Dragon. And I thought, I am not going an hour wondering what's on this phone. So I, I picked it up real quick and, and saw that it had been, it was one of eight finalists. Um, so I didn't have a whole lot of celebration time because we had to, you know, get focused on the show. But, um, you know, very, very proud, very grateful. And if anybody who nominated me is listening right now, thank you so very much. I I don't know if I'll be able to say thank you enough uh, just to get it on that list. It's it's up against seven very good books. Oh, my God. Absolutely. It's a it's probably I'm going to. Well, short of the movie category, I think it's one of the toughest categories of the 15 is the best. You are you are up against John Scalzi. Yep. Got Scalzi. Got Brian Meyer. Yeah. Brian Guthrie. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, James Corey. So mm-hmm. my God. <laughs> yeah, I I I'm the I'm the little minnow surrounded by a whole bunch of hungry sharks. So um, no 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 no. Look look at it this way. Look at it this way. People thought enough of what you did to put you in their company. Yes, and 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 trust me, that is a very great honor. You know, no matter what happens on September third when they they announce the winners. Um, you know, if it's one of the other seven, there will be no head hanging or, or tears on this end because just to get to this point, it's just is incredible and it's a great honor. 
so yeah how do you how do you wrap yourself around that i mean you've been writing for years now <laughs> yeah um I, I, Boom. I'm trying to think who was in the, in the White House when I first started, and it's been a while. Um, yeah, it, it, I think if I were able to somehow contact um, me in 1984 before I started and, and tell that younger version of me what's coming, I wouldn't believe it. Um, I look back at the career I've had. Um, you know, I I can't think of anything I would have done differently. Um, the things I've been able to go and do and write about, um, the the people I've met and interacted with, uh, the experiences. I mean, it's it's been a heck of a career, um, and I don't think I'm done yet. So I'm curious to see what's coming up the road. Well, I'm hoping you're not done yet because. Uh there's books two and three of Escaping Infinity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I tell you what, I've got an idea for a sci-fi fantasy, and I, I wrote the first 16 pages of it, sent it off to an author friend of mine and had his writer's group go over it. And um, and and they're asking if I, I, I really want to spend the rest of my life going in hiding because it, it kind of touches on the origins of all the ancient gods. And some of the modern day gods are in there too. And they're like, man, that's the third rail. Do you really want to deal with that? It's like, but the, the idea I have, I think it's going to work. So we'll see. You got to go where the muse takes you. <laughs> yeah, well, this, this one might get me in trouble, but you know what? We'll see. So as, as Derek Belanger was talking to me about you, I guess he was also talking to you about our project here at Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Book yeah. two of my peculiar family. Yeah. So, what did you think about when you heard when you heard about the project? Well, what he told me was it was the the premise. Obviously, is uh, the young lady who comes across a trunk full of ten type photos, uh, who are of, of people who she is related to. And Derek told me that the the basically the thing is you get a ten type photo. You get the name of the person in the tintype photo, and you're given an occasion, and that's it. That's that's all you've got to work with, and then you have to create this, basically this little world for this this fictional character to be a part of, and for people to actually look at and go, yeah, I can see that. So, <laughs> um, and it, it, it kind of comes back to me needing to be challenged you know after after a while it's like okay been there done that what's next when Derek told me about that it was like oh yeah I want that because I want to be able to just take the picture and see where it, it takes me and that's the first thing I did when when you sent me the packet I didn't look at the name I didn't look at the occasion I spent about five minutes just looking at the picture and then I, I checked to see what the other two things were and you know everything just kind of it was, it was automatically, I was thinking, you know, in the woods, northern Vermont, New Hampshire area, um, around 1870, and just went from there. It, it's really funny um, how different writers react to the package when they get it for the first time. It's like, I'll get an email that says, <clears throat> well, what do you want me to write? 
And the answer is, what do you want to write? <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't, I don't feel beyond the three or four prompts that, that, that I send in the package that I want there to be any direction whatsoever. And uh, I haven't been disappointed yet with anything that I've seen uh, in the first book or the second book. So, you know, I am, I am so pleased, Richard, that you're a part of this. Uh, it, it's, it's a pleasure and an honor to meet you as, as uh, a nominee for uh, the Dragon Awards and uh, the, the very fields that you've written in. And uh, welcome. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Well, thank you for having me on. And uh, if anybody is interested about the Dragon Awards, uh, if I can sneak this in real quick, um, you can go to, you don't have to type in the HTTP or the WWW stuff. Just type in. Just go to the Dragon Awards and it brings you right to it. Does it? Okay, because I, I thought you had to go awards.dragoncon.org. But anyway, you know, just just search for the Dragon Awards. It'll take you to their page. <clears throat> see the ballot. The listeners aren't going to have to search for it. We'll have all the URLs there right yeah. for them. They'll be able to check right from there. Excellent. Over the next couple of weeks on Sci-Fi Saturday Night, next week, Colby Ellen and uh, Don Higgins will be joining us. And after that, uh, Lori Moran and Amber Newberry talk about Undead Publications. And on the slow walk to GraniteCon, Chris Brew joins us to talk about it, along with Rhiannon McCullough. We'll be looking forward to them as well. Uh, what else did I have to say? Oh, yes. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Brandicon, Northeast Comic-Con, Comic-Cartons.com. Is a comic book house for some of the best skills on original art. You have a free moment? Take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and at BarnesandNoble.com. Sure, drop by and say hello to us. It's going to be at GraniteCon. We'll be there. And then we have to talk to you. Our intro music was provided by Rob Box. Find his creations at robboxonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Speed and Pride. Check out their groups on BoardSpeedandPride.com. Many thanks to the game tonight. Everybody, come. Time to all the sweetheart stuff for Priyana. And the woman of words, Zombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. This is Dome saying Terry and GD, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. I know.